0: Thanks for tuning in to Size Up. I'm Jeff Heyer-Jones. And I'm
1: Kayla Parker. Let's meet today's guest.
0: In this episode, we get to talk to Scott Galloway, who's the servant leader and president of Galloway Resource Partners in Columbus, Ohio. During our time with Scott, we had the opportunity to talk about a lot of different topics, including organizational culture, playing office offense and defense in business, in a new term that I learned, which is work-life harmony, among others. Caleb, why don't you go ahead and kick it off with our first question?
1: Scott, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Do you have any recommendations or know of any good systems for a sustainable onboarding process that also helps retain employees throughout the process?
2: And, and let them run their business. So, Um, there's, there's not really a trick to it. There's no silver bullet. There's no specific system to manage it, but it's really, it starts with the culture and then, you know, culture and talent. Those are the two things that are going to help you be successful.
1: Awesome. So do you have any leadership recommendations uh, that kind of have in place in order for the overall culture and those little microcultures to be really effective and to kind of drive the company's mission forward?
2: Sure. Well, to me, that starts with the CEO. I mean, the, the top of the pyramid has to be um, all in and engaged. It's just like if you're going to, every business is going to go through change at times and the CEO has to lead that change. And and if they don't, then you're probably, your your chances of success are certainly less um, as you go without uh, leadership from the top. So, it, and, it, and it just flows down. Certainly the executive committee after that and, and then out into the, where they say the real work gets done out into the groups uh, within your business. That's yeah, always, absolutely.
0: I think just yeah. a, even a key point, Scott, is you know, starting that vision from the top. And then I think the other key thing is how do you make sure that that stays consistent all the way down to the, the front line, right? I think sometimes you see leadership teams that have kind of a set culture, but it doesn't always seem like it filters down.
2: Well, and it has to, but it also has to filter up. So that's where everybody that works in a company is the chief culture officer, if you will. Everyone is in charge of that culture. You can't just say only the CEO or only the manager or only the director is in charge of that. It it is a top-down vision that starts it, but you have to live it. Um, Urban Myers, he says it really great. It's, you know, what does it look like? What does it act like? And what does it feel like? And and if you can't say those things, then you don't have a culture and and you need to start over and go from there.
0: Spoken like a true uh, Buckeye graduate.
2: You know what, uh, I tell you what, following sports, um, successful sports uh, CEOs, just like Urban and others is is a great place to to learn a lot around uh, how to be better at um, building your culture and your team.
1: Yeah, so kind of to piggyback off of that, how do you control the narrative as a business owner slash employer where you still want to display compassion, but maybe things aren't working out? How does that process kind of look and what kind of you know, advice do you recommend for small business owners? Because I know that you know letting someone go is never easy, but how do you redirect that culture to make it part of the vision?
2: Well, if, if the CEO is in charge of the culture, they're also in charge of, of making sure that that culture continues and, and expands you have to be able to, to live it every day um, as you work down through every meeting you start every conversation you have to feel it you have to see it you have to know how it acts. and yes we, we have people that don't fit into those cultures um, and or they as they've grown into different positions they 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 change over time we all do and, and sometimes then that culture doesn't fit on to where the business needs to go in the future so it is a difficult choice but I don't know if I've ever known anyone that I separated with um, out of a company who wasn't better off, and the company wasn't better off after having done that. Uh, While it is difficult, it usually comes out to be better for everybody.
0: I think that's so, so true. Having been a people leader in the past, that is probably one of the most difficult leadership things that you, I think, ever have to do, right? Because at the end of the day, they're oftentimes really great people. They're just maybe in the wrong role or the culture isn't a good fit. Um,
2: it's Absolutely. Just, I mean, everybody's great. I mean, you, you can't say that, that they say failure when you, you can't attach that to a person failure is an event uh, failure is just something that has happened. And it doesn't mean that that person is a failure. That person could be, actually you could be holding them back by retaining them in your, where they could really flourish and thrive in in other cultures that are more suited to them give an example if you're a small entrepreneurial firm and you're you're looking to scale and grow and bring in additional talent well as you go looking for your your next um, superstar to bring on whether it's from a sales perspective or or an accounting perspective and you bring in someone who's um, from this huge company they've been successful throughout their career but they, they, they have a very process-oriented, and, and they see black and white, and they thrive within structure. That's not the person to bring into a small entrepreneurial team or firm. Um, you just got a mismatch there that's going to create nothing but headaches and, and hold the business back. So that's where we talk about cultural fit and diversity. It's not it's It's about thought and, and and how you work best and thrive, and making sure we put you in in position to do that. one
0: one thing I'd like to get your opinion on, Scott, around diversity. that's been a hot topic for a while now, and I think even if you look over the last twelve months, some of the articles and in, in the business publications on Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 companies bringing more diversity into their C-suite, their their boards, you know, their executives. Um, when you look at, you know, from a diversity perspective, what type of elements do you typically look, look at? Or do you see employers look at? I mean, there's the obvious, the things that we can all see about one another, right? Whether that's, you know, color of our skin, male, female, but you know, do you look and do you see a lot of companies looking past just those surface level diversity elements and into some deeper things that maybe you can't
2: see? I think think it's a great question. And it's certainly one that's been debated for years. So my opinion, humbly, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. But how I view diversity, uh, and let's start there. So diversity is about having a differences on your team and how you think about it. It's, it's not, when we say cultural fit, that to me is totally separate. It has nothing to do with diversity. But if you're, if you're bringing everyone on your team that is just like you, you're doing everyone a disservice. You, you aren't going to grow. You don't want a soccer team that has 11 goalies on the field or a football team that has 11 quarterbacks on the field. So when I look at and when I say diversity, it's diversity of skill sets, diversity of thought. Um, I actually take the male, female, or the color of your skin out of that play. I think that there's there's opportunities across the board, and I wouldn't want to box a business in by saying we have to have these specific diverse cultures um, cultural pieces on our team or or skin color, or when you go into those things, it's, it's really about the diversity of thought. And um, I love diverse teams. I think that, you know, that's where you find ideas. Um, one person can't come up with all the ideas, but if you put five people in a room that have diversity of thought and diversity of backgrounds, but we all have the same goal and fit within the same culture, you have a team that has the potential to be elite, and really drive your business to to new heights. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So it's a little
2: different take on a diversity officer and, and there's, there's a wide range of thought about it, but I believe that you can add any person that fits into that team that can add diversity to the team. And there really should be a culture plus, they should be an add to your culture. Um, in in the diversity of what they bring, their skill sets and and thought processes and background.
0: And I think that's really where you get to when people talk about diversity and the inclusion piece. I think a lot of times there's a lot of focus on just the diversity, but not that, you know, inclusion aspect that it's more than just what you can see. It's the way we think, the way we process information.
2: Mm -hmm. And, And I was on the diversity and inclusion committee at Lane Bryant when I was with the Acena group. And it was uh, it was a wonderful committee. We had a great diversity of thought. And, and when you're talking about inclusion, I mean, you would think that we wouldn't have to talk about that because if you have someone on your team or in your company and and you're excluding them, then you're doing yourself a disservice and them a disservice as well. So being inclusive and understanding how others feel and and how they approach problems, whether you're using, you know. Psychological assessments or or however you're coming to get teams to work together, being inclusive is really a it's down on the the pure baseline of how you build a successful business
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, to kind of piggyback off of that, where do you draw the line with valuing the relationship of the employee versus what they bring to the table in terms of how much work they can get done, their efficiency? So I know you know everybody wants the best employee ever. But at what point do you kind of say, you know, maybe they don't give me the most business, but they're worth it because they add so much to the culture or vice versa?
2: It's a great question. And I think that goes into how do you how do you see your employees and and the, what they're bringing to the team? Because you may have someone that can sit at their desk and, and pound on spreadsheets all day and provide wonderful bits of data. And the person sitting right next to them on your team can take that data. Um, and spend four hours in a room thinking about it and putting a story together. That and, and those two pieces combined, and that diversity of skill set and thought on your team can make a wonderful combination. So, it, to me, it comes down to the end product. If you're, are you satisfying or beating the goals that you have as a, as a business and a team uh, to be able to perform? I think that we've, we've pushed efficiency and productivity um, too far in some instances to the standpoint that we don't have enough slack um, in the business to be able to take the time to to see through instead of just I mean it's the law of diminishing returns over time. Think about margin in a business. You can only take margin so high. So if if you've got a a margin that's at sixty or seventy percent and it's the best you've ever done and you want to take it to so it's at 70 say you want to take it to 72%. Okay. So to do that, I've got to devalue my product or I've got to take something away. Well, if you're a a consumer, why do you want to pay as much or more for something that has less value than it did before? So you're you're actually hurting yourself. I call it the productivity trap as you get too far into it that you've got to kind of say, I've got to have enough slack in how we work to be able to spend some time on how we can work better. Instead of just saying, I have a mine here, I want to cut it. You can't cut your way to greatness. You can't cut your way to growth. Yeah, I, I
1: mean, couldn't have said it better myself. And I fully believe that because I think too many business owners go in it for the short term or not not necessarily too many, but they don't realize the effect that their decisions have on the long-term growth. And I think that's where, especially in times like this, uh, you know, when you're in a pandemic and your back's against the wall, what are you going to do? You cut off those relationships, and now you're hurting.
2: Yeah, Caleb. I think you bring up a great point because when this is the actually the time now is we should be playing offense. Um, the firms and companies that are playing offense and, and looking to of how we're going to come out of this versus playing defense on how we can cut and conserve and 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 a balance of that is important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, any good team has to have both offense and defense. But if you if you only play defense, you know you're not going to score. So you got to score to win and being able to set yourself up now. I mean, this is, this is a time that is, is quite frankly, one of the only times in, 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 in our lifetimes that we're going to go through something that's having as big and quick an impact as, as, as it is. I mean, the world has changed in a matter of weeks and how we come out of that There's going to be different businesses we're going to operate differently um, people are going to staff their businesses differently remote working they call it work from home i call it work from anywhere um you know rfa or wfa sorry i can't even spell now it, um, <laughs> but it uh maybe that's something i'll, I'll look to uh, incorporate as we uh, as i or build towards the future and learn more but it's um you know we have to really think that the, the businesses that are just playing defense now and trying to survive uh, are not, and the ones that are playing offenses and figuring out the new way to work and and how to make our customers safe in our in our stores and, and in our businesses and in our daily life, you know, it's um those are the businesses that are going to win, and and they're going to come out with um, a long runway. I think the the quarterly way that we've looked at businesses through. You know, public companies is probably one of the biggest destroyers of value over time because we take that thinking into, oh, if I just cut, you know, payroll by 3% this quarter, I can make my numbers. Well, we should have added 5%. We should actually be punishing companies that take that kind of quarterly view versus celebrating them with a with a, uh, with a short-term bump in, in their stock price. Yeah. Uh,
1: kind of... Yeah, I mean, we're gonna keep rolling with it. Uh, how do you see the future of small businesses if they have to work from home or work remotely or work from anywhere? How do you see effective leadership strategies in making sure that their employees are still getting their work done and bringing value? Or like, do you see any big incentivized
2: plans that will allow for the same thing? Well, I, you know, I'm gonna be a broken record here and go back to your culture. And the thir- first thing within your culture is you have to be able to trust your employees. I mean that's that's why you hired them, right? Uh, to to say I've got to have them all in in a in a building to get things done, and so sort of where I can keep an eye on them and see when they come and go, and they've got to be at their desk at nine or at eight and be there until five or six. I mean that is out the window. We've proven in quite a few different uh, spaces, industries, verticals now that you don't have to do that. Um, you know, it's, you see the, some of the surveys that I've seen done and I've seen as high as 65% of people surveyed don't want to go back to an office environment. Think of a new office environment as being like hoteling. So in other words, I'm going to work out of my home, but I'm going to meet someone in the office on Tuesday at three. And then I've got, you know, I'm going to reserve this conference room for that time, another conference room for another time. And I've got three hours in between. And I'm going to reserve desk 52 and that's where i'm going to go sit for the day but other than that my my business my time we have laptops phones everything else that it all goes with us where we go so i think as you look for leadership leadership has to evolve to the standpoint that if you don't trust your people to do the work then you're not going to be successful and your business is not going to thrive there has to be a new level of trust Uh, I tell you, I I get plenty of work done out of my home, and you know what, it might be that I've got a 10 o'clock call with a client, and a one o'clock call with a prospective client, or I'm gonna be on a webinar at two, but at 11 o'clock, guess what, I'm mowing the grass. But I'm getting everything done. Um, You know, my wife counts on me getting grass mowed, but she doesn't tell me to mow the grass every day. So I think that's just as a leader, you have to have trust in, in your team and your people. Uh, and then if you don't, first, you need to look internally at yourself as to why. And secondly, you need to look externally at your team and say, maybe you don't have the right number.
0: No, I think that's so true. I think the the whole work-life balance, uh, you know, thing that was kind of a big movement, right, on on having this flexibility. I don't know what the right term is to put around it today, but I think what you described is exactly what this new environment is, right? What are the tasks or the outcomes that you need to get and what works best for you and your clients to get those, those outcomes? And if that means mowing your lawn at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday, because that's what fits and, and works best with your lifestyle for that, that day or that week,
2: go for it. And, and, and it's a great thought. And um, you know, I'd say it's an outcome-based view um, from leadership so the word I would put around it is work-life harmony versus work-life balance because I think especially if you're working away from the office and you're working anywhere you, you can't have work-life balance is an impossibility because there's too many variables that can happen you know your kids run in, you might hear my dogs bark you know as, if someone comes to the door so those types of things you can't just say okay I'm going to go work for hours and I'm going to go play for two hours if, to me there's a harmony in how you do it so I don't care if I take a half day off on Tuesday to go golfing or go to the park and then work a half day on Saturday because I've still got more things to do I'm doing what's harmonious with how I want to live my life and, and I think that's going to is important to a lot of people but it's going to become more the forefront of how you view doing your job
0: No, oh, that's awesome now, Scott, I've got a question. Maybe you could talk a little bit about when you formed Galloway Resource Partners. It's coming up on a year, getting ready yep. to celebrate your, your first year in business. So maybe talk to us a little bit about what made you wanna make that jump and, and how's this past almost 12 months been for you?
2: Well, and thank you and congratulations to you because I believe you hit a year this month, right?
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: next month. Well, um, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's, I, I've always felt like an entrepreneur um, in every company that i work worked for. And I've worked for three or four companies, um, one of them twice, so that's why I say three or four. Um, but it's, it's how, to me, it was about coming to into what I'm passionate about at this time of my life. And how can I, I've always wanted to own my own business, always thought I would love it. And by the way, I do. But to me, it was a decision that came on two fronts. One is it's something that's been in the back of my mind and, and kind of been planning for over the years. And two, with the nature of the industry, just like everybody else's, my position was eliminated, and it wasn't because of me, as they'll tell you and I'll tell you. But um, you know, like two weeks earlier, was um, um, they were congratulated on the on the quarterly call because of how we've managed our inventory. So it came down to a cost cutting move. I completely understood it, quite frankly, Uh, thought it was coming anyways, which had my mind thinking somewhere else. But, you know, it took a little time off decompressed, which I recommend that everybody do uh, as long as you need. Uh, For me, it was about 30 days and and I was ready to go do something else. So, you know, it's, it was about thinking about what I was passionate about and, and how can I be able to incorporate that into something that i would want to do to open the business so um no special thoughts it's just about you know it was this time and it was the right time and i'm never gonna do it now's the time so that's really the the driver so it was kind of a a want and uh, kicking the pants if you will on the other side yeah
0: sometimes that's kind of it i think what causes you to take that that action right something you've been thinking about for a very long time so sure. looking back 11 months ago what did you start as kind of the, if you were to define the main service offering of Bay resource partners and how maybe over the last 12 months has that evolved
2: sure well it was it was about people i mean the focus was serving others so that is that is the vision that is what it started is how can i best serve others um, which is something that I'm passionate about. So I've always been able to do that with helping people find jobs or helping them find the right jobs because it's the right people and the right talent that you're looking for. How we're coaching and developing that individual and team to, to be elite, to be a high-producing, um, known-for team, and, and how do we put those individuals together and coach them? And then the other one was how do we, how do we put a business process around that to encode and codify that into the culture of the business we want to do. So in thinking about all those three, I thought there's not one area we could do. So I I built the foundation and the strategy for the business around three pillars. The first is leadership development and coaching. The second is consulting from a, just a management consulting perspective. And the third one's about talent acquisition. So those were the three pillars that um, I felt that i could add value and over time um put organization in place to add value across the spectrum for both individual businesses and teams and that also by the way does a spectrum of small medium and large size businesses so gave me a broad spectrum and and market to be able to to work in so i i jumped in i hadn't been in I certainly hired a lot of people, but I've not been in pure recruiting. So I actually said I'm going to do one pillar first, and I jumped in. and For about four months, I did nothing but I'd recruit, 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 and through different services, got job opportunities, and and you know had some initial success there that, that and said said to me, "Hey, guess what? I can do this." <laughs> Which is always important as an entrepreneur, that you know the most sex- successful thing you can do. I think as an entrepreneur is start and that is just to start your business and, and that is really where you're most successful in the rest is execution as you go. So I then turned um, you know, I brought some independent contractors on to do recruiting for me. We have four now that um, you know, they have their own businesses and they work out of their home and they're able to set their schedules around their, their family, um, and, and help make some income for them. And and then I kind of turned to the business development. Um, which I probably should have done a little bit more up front um, but um, in, in the space of things because so that was a hurdle that I had to get over but um, I thoroughly enjoyed it we're, we're, we've got some momentum really in all three pillars today um, more so obviously in the coaching and the uh, talent acquisition because that's where I've spent most of my time um, Management consulting most things I'll do is I'll partner with um, other people like you guys and that, that needs some extra resources along the way, and provide the, the experience that I've had over time. I think the the biggest example of different now than then is one is um, business development is different than I thought it would be. So learnings there, um, lots of learnings there. Um, lots of events there that weren't uh, exactly successful and, and still have those today but uh, you know you, you kind of figure it out as you go and, and jumping in is the way to go and the second one is something that i've been talking to a lot of businesses about today and that's really about the pivot and so i've had those three pillars and been working those but i've had my eye on the future and and seeing in the future and talking to people as i've gone through engagements and and, and having coffees around contract work and how, you know, it was 30 to 40, but now we're thinking 50 to 60 percent of workers are going to be on a contract or temp basis in the future. Well, that was something that we had no um, we had no ability to support. So one of the pivots that I had um, soon afterwards and seeing that the push of everything going from working from everywhere and the trends within the short period of time and seeing that contract piece is I went out and looked and talked to companies that can be a partner for me. So, and, and I've signed up with one where um, they do all my back office on contract workers. So I'm able to offer that to businesses from a standpoint of, you know, I'm just starting up and I can't can't really afford to have everyone on there with all the benefits and everything, but I need work to be done. Well, you know, I can help them with the service that is able to to put them on and have the ability for those workers to have a 401k, to have uh, a you know healthcare, uh, dental, vision. All of those things are are, are available to them that as a small business person they couldn't provide to them. So. There's that partnership. There's others that you know. I've furloughed a lot of people. I'm not going to be able to bring everybody back. A, a big thing in retail, but I know I've got, I know I've got projects for the next three to six months that I've got to have people for. So you know, using that as a as an opportunity to to help and call it flattening the post-COVID um, unemployment curve, if you will. if We're looking to flatten curve. Better. Yeah. So and helping out there. So it's um. But that's a place where I pivoted and gave, um, you know, the ability for um, firms that I can work with an opportunity to help them grow their businesses just in a different way of thinking.
0: I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, just hearing you said a couple things that resonated with me, you know, on the business development side and just do it, right? At the end of the day, I think fear sometimes can restrict people from doing things because you know you you can put labels on yourself i'm not a salesperson i'm not this i'm not that eh, maybe i need some more time to think about this or it, how to do things and i think i love this whole concept of you just got to do it and you know what you got to embrace it you're probably going to screw some things up you're going to spend some money or go to events that are going to be you know probably a lost cause right and that's okay you know, but I think that's part of just being able to celebrate those things that don't go the way that you intend, but celebrate the fact that you had the courage to go out and try something, and if it didn't work, what well, do you learn from it? And how are you going to do something differently to get you closer to that outcome?
2: Yeah, I think you, you said it very well. I would add, that, you know mistakes are, are um are proof that you were doing something. Because there isn't a single person out there that does anything right the first time. And I think that having that and the focus on the other thing with business development is I find you focus on the process. And I, at the end of the day, I'm not worried that I've, I've got five appointments at the end of the day. You know, maybe if I have two that are really good um, for the next week, then that's better than having five or 10 that are just average. So I think when you look at the process that, you know, I need to keep working, I need to keep trying. And you know what, the, the next person I talk to and the next person I reach out to is going to be a yes, and, and it's going to be you know, a new, wonderful relationship that I can be involved in. So, you know, you can't have too many friends. I've told my kids that, and I've believed it all my life, because you just can't have too many friends out there. So keep plugging away, and, um, you know, that level of persistence um, has always paid off.
0: No, I think that's so true. And I'd say the other thing we met about the same time that our our businesses were getting off the ground almost a year ago uh, for coffee. And just the things that I appreciate about you when, when you talk about your title being servant leader and president, the servant leader is first. And I have appreciated that uh, more than I've probably ever expressed to you. Just the occasional emails, checking in, you know, when the COVID stuff happened. We're in adjacent markets, uh, you know, we're we're not competing for business, but just looking to help one another out, you know, and and look out for one another. And I think that's what's, to me, really unique when you have your own business. You can create cultures like that that are ones that are focused on the abundance. There's more than enough work to go around for for Mm -hmm. everyone right? Even there might be some areas in the business consulting, we overlap, but you know what, there's more than enough work and you've got some very unique skills and backgrounds that I don't have and vice versa. And I think looking for those win-win opportunities through partnerships and and working together, you know, for the right outcome is, is really what it's all about, you know, in, in this life is how do you develop those relationships and, you know, we met for coffee uh, up, the, up the road, kind of in between our two houses, I think we found out after our first meeting, and it was yeah. through a LinkedIn connection request, you know, and I, uh, do you want to talk about maybe a little bit what you were doing early on to kind of get your company's name out there on, on LinkedIn? Because I thought it was an sure. awesome approach.
2: Well, two things I'll say first is um, the coffees that we have are some of the best meetings that i have and it's an example of creating that slack if you and i focus nothing on but trying to be more efficient and, and more productive we probably wouldn't have those coffees um, but because we put that slack into our time there isn't a there isn't a coffee that we've had or a conversation that we've had that i haven't learned something or been able to, to take away something that that made me think so thank you for that for sure but it's another example of, of being able to. Uh, to step outside of that piece in, uh, in something else that helps make you better. So I think from a LinkedIn standpoint, I'm, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I joined LinkedIn, what is it, 16 years ago maybe now? Uh, right after they came out of beta, it goes number 36,000 and something that uh, that started on there. I've got, um, I've I worked over the years to have um, connections through there. One, some I've got to know very well, just like yourself, and, and others uh, I still haven't really met yet or talked with, but it was about uh, um, someone who was in my field that I, I, I thought that I might be able to add value or they might be able to add value over time. So to me, the LinkedIn it is a living, um, a living source of um, not just client opportunity, but other opportunities that it, that can help make me better person. So I love trying to get to meet the people that um, I've, uh, I've linked on through there uh, one way or another, whether it's a call or or now I do more video zooms that I ever had before and hopefully to get out and have more coffee again, because I'm not a huge coffee drinker. uh, Getting out of the office for a little bit out of the house other than the bow grass is um, is something that I enjoy doing. So I think everyone, can take the opportunity on LinkedIn to add value to their life. There's so much information of what's being published. Uh, You don't really have to buy a ton of books anymore, quite frankly, because between YouTube podcasts and, and things like LinkedIn, there's so much information out there that you can read and articles. And and in any any area that you're looking to improve upon or learn about, there are opportunities out there. So I'm I'm not paid to do that. I don't work for LinkedIn. So just a, A word to that, but um, you know, to me, it's uh, it's a fantastic platform that has has changed the world.
0: I think it's a great way to keep in contact with your network. You know, the notifications you get about job changes or birthdays or other events. You know, it's a, a nice way to to stay top of mind and stay connected. You know, with folks that maybe you don't see every day when you're working out of your home and you're not in an office setting where you know. That's your next door neighbor, you know, in a, a typical office sure. environment. And I think it's, I agree, it's an awesome platform. And, and the amount of uh, growth that you can have by looking at others' content and even, you know, creating your own and the engagement that you can drive with, with folks that you might not even know, right? And you can develop these partnerships and relationships is, is a, lot of, a lot of
2: fun. Absolutely.
0: Well, Scott, I appreciate you coming on uh, today. This was a lot of fun. Uh, would you have an interest in joining us for kind of an after hours thing uh, to get to know you a little bit better?
2: Sure, I'd love to. And, and thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully I didn't bore everybody to tears up there. And um, you know, I'll see you on LinkedIn, and, and we'll talk in the future.
0: Awesome. And if anyone wants to check out your company, What's your website that you'd like them to go to?
2: So it's uh, Gallowayresourcepartners.com, or you can look me up on LinkedIn through gallery resource partners or we just Scott D Galloway.
0: Awesome. Yep. Scott, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: And- Fantastic. Thanks guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Uh, please let us know what you would like us to discuss next. If this brought you any value at all, please give us a follow,
2: subscribe, share it with your friends. Really get the word out there. And we'll see you next time.